This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, what you need to have is the hope of Jesus, because the hope of Jesus in your life is better than the hope of, hey, maybe someone I know um, is with Jesus, because whatever ministry you need when you find yourself in the arms of Jesus, in the embrace of Jesus, is going to be enough. Thank you so much for listening to Activate, a podcast resource of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and in this episode, I will have a conversation with Pastor Christian Newsom, lead pastor of Journey, about the topic of death. Uh, we're nearing the end of our series entitled Grim Reaper, and for the past several episodes of Activate, we've been discussing the Christian theology of death and suffering. Pastor Christian, before we jump into our conversation on death, um, this week marks the 10th year or the 10-year anniversary for a personal moment for you. 10 years ago this week from Seoul, South Korea, God called you to launch Journey Church International. Although this moment 10 years ago was deeply personal for you, it's had eternal significance in the lives of others. And I'm sure I speak for hundreds, if not thousands of others, um, when I say that I'm personally grateful for your obedience to the call. Um, Ministry is hard, and what you do is not for the faint of heart, but you have pastored this church with tremendous integrity and class. You remain so disciplined personally. You're, You're unswervingly faithful to the call and so incredibly generous, and it's no wonder why Journey continues to make such an impact in the lives of others. But now we face a new challenge for our church. We simply just don't have enough seats for everyone who wants to be here on Sundays. And on Thursday, we hosted a volunteer event at Journey called Inspire, where we filled the auditorium with hundreds of volunteers in an effort to encourage them, inspire them, and share future vision. Um, And you shared a passion-filled message with the team. And one of the things you reminded us all on was that we cannot become discouraged in this season of growth. We have to remain one army, one mission, in one battle. Um, Can you take a moment and share with the podcast audience why it's so important that in this tremendous season of growth that we're experiencing, and honestly, a little bit of discomfort for the church, that we keep our focus on the future? Well, yeah, we believe God's kingdom is always expanding, and and we believe what God's going to do in the future is, um, is as important as what he's done in the past. And, you know, as a church, we're, we're called very specifically to see people who are far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. And as long as there are people in our community and in the world who don't know Jesus yet, our work, our work is in front of us. Uh, and we talked about Thursday night how, you know, we find ourselves in a two-front battle like Joab and his brother who, you know, they had one army on one side and one army on the other. And they said, hey, it could look like we're fighting two separate battles, but the reality is we're fighting for you. You're fighting for us. We're fighting for each other. And we're fighting for the, the cities and the kingdom uh, of our God. That's what we have to continue to remember as a church, that what we have has been given to us so that we might give it to others. Right? We've talked on this podcast and at our church. We believe we're a people that have been blessed in order to bless. We believe every good and perfect gift that's been given to us is to be shared with others. So we're not doing anything more as a church. You know, we, we don't pat ourselves on the back. We just want to be obedient. We just want to be obedient servants. Jesus said, go. Jesus said, preach the gospel. Jesus said, make disciples. He told the, the church uh, in the early part of the book of Acts, stay here, here until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But when it comes on you, go. And we, you know, every church has the, the option 
um, at some point in their history to say, hey, either our church is going to be about us staying or it's going to be about us going. It's going to be about others coming. And we have a church that's so faithful, that's so committed, um, that I have so much gratitude for, that continues to serve, that continues to give, that continues to go, that continues to to make room for other people. Uh, and we believe we're just getting started. We believe the first 10 years of our church have all been very, very foundational. Uh, and we are just now getting ready to really do what God has called us to. And we want to be real faithful in our generation to do what God has called us to. And until everyone and our community knows Jesus, our work is in front of us. Uh, we've had a lot of great things behind us, but until they all know Jesus, until they've all been transformed by Jesus, until they've all found their purpose and they're, they are becoming who God created them to become, our work is in front of us and we still have a lot of work to do. I love how you always keep the vision ahead of us um, as staff and as volunteers. And you often, you showed a picture um, that that I love in the inspiring event of this of of several children receiving Bibles um, at a recent event that we hosted, and you always remind us. Listen, the future pastor of this church is in our children's ministry. I'm not going to be here for forever, and we need to do we need to make changes and do things with them in mind. Yeah, and even as we talked about building a building, you know, on a on a good week, we have 600 people at our church under the age of 18. I mean, on a on a on a normal good week, six hundred people at our church under the age it's of incredible. Eight, under the age of eighteen. If all of those, if just the number of kids at our church under the age of eighteen, if all of them had one friend that needed Jesus, we would not have room for them to come. Uh, what I talked to our volunteers about on Thursday night: if if every child in our church got married one day. Um, they couldn't come to our church when they were adults. At this point, we don't have seats. So it's time to expand. It's time to expand our vision. It's time to expand our generosity. It's time to expand our sacrifice and our commitment. Um, not for us. We're comfortable. We're good. We're good. This church works for us. We're good. But for our kids and for their friends and for their teammates and for their future spouses and one day for our grandkids, right now there's no place for them. So we have to continue to sacrifice and leverage our influence our affluence for the next generation so they can live on mission and so that they can become who God called them to be. And so there's a church here after we all die and go to heaven, we're going to talk about death today so that the next generation has something debt-free. They continue to do ministry um, in and through. You've had the privilege and honor to walk with people through some very difficult times, um, especially in the season of death. It's, it's not easy. So as you've walked with people through this season, what are some common concerns or questions that people have? I think I, I don't know that I would call them concerns or questions. I think comfort is found in knowing the person um, that you lost, in knowing that they love Jesus, that they had a relationship with Jesus, that they surrendered their eternity to Jesus before they got there. Um, it, it is it's a radically different experience um, and you have both as a pastor. I mean, you have both. It's a radically different experience walking someone um, through death who does not have the hope and security uh, of eternal life in their soul versus those who have believed the biblical promises that, that Paul writes about in Thessalonians, that those who have died have just gone before us and we're going to see them again and we're going to know them again. Um, it's a radically different experience standing up in front of a crowd of people who don't believe in Jesus and, and who believe life is over and there is no hope. And, and those who do believe in Jesus, who believe 
that, you know, a funeral is more of a see you later than a, than a goodbye. Uh, and when we first started our church, so I, you know, I've shared this story several times. So the first several years we started this church, uh, I didn't take a salary from the church. I raised money from family and friends. I did odd jobs, uh, for, you know, for people who would hire me to, to do things. And, you know, one of my skill sets is, is preaching. And we had a, we had a family, uh, on our core team when we started, um, who, who the husband managed a funeral home. And he said, listen, we have, um, we have families every week who have people die who are doing funerals and they don't have a past. They don't have anyone to speak, but they would like someone to speak. Uh, and that's part of a funeral package is, is the pastor. It's not very much money. Um, but if you would, if you would want, I could call you anytime we had a funeral that needed a pastor. And I said, if I can get up and preach the gospel, like if I can, if I can get up and tell them about Jesus and tell them about eternal life, I'll do it. So I did dozens and dozens and dozens of funerals the first year um, of our church. And, and what I found was the importance of a Christian perspective, a Christian theology, a Christian plan for death and suffering, and people who grieve like they have no hope. Um, and I mean, Brandon, you know, when you're, when you're kind of like a, a hired gun funeral pastor, you do, you do all kinds of crazy funerals. We, uh, I, did, I did several murders. Um, I did the funeral of a, a mom and her infant daughter who were, who were shot by the boyfriend slash dad who like were in the coffin together. So it was a mom holding a baby in the, like literally in the coffin for, so the viewing people were walking by the mom and daughter, uh, together, a, a kid who got gunned down at a skate park, uh, where there was security wall to wall because they thought there was going to be some kind of reactive hit from some kind of activity that was going down. I mean, j- the craziest things you can imagine people who died very very old people who died very very young but most of them most of them just people who had no faith at all and when i would reach out to these families and try to pastor these families and minister to these families there was just there was no comforting them there was there was no directing them there was there was not much hope for them uh so to so to be in that situation man it it makes you even more confident to stand on a platform and tell people about Jesus because you know you like you've seen you've seen the end of it and you know that people who die without Jesus it's it's a it's really a hopeless situation but when you die with Jesus you know there's this thought from David in second Samuel chapter 12 that even when he lost his son, he thought, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to see him again. He's not going to come back here, but I am going to go there and I, I am going to see him again. And part of following Jesus is the hope of eternal life. Paul said, when I think about this life versus that life, I actually, I think I would rather have eternal life. So Christians don't even hold on to this life. We are, we are ready to go to the next one, but the hope of forgiveness, the hope of connection with God, the hope of resurrection, the hope of eternal life. All those things are so crucial. And I think it's why evangelism is important. Everyone who listens to the next two weeks about death should be thinking, I want to make sure that everyone I care about knows about Jesus before they die. I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it my, um, my goal in life to make sure everyone I care about knows about Jesus before they die. And, and then to have that comfort when that moment finally does happen to think this is not a goodbye. It's a see you later because of who Jesus was, because not only what Jesus did on the cross, but what Jesus did in the grave and that he rose from the grave proves to us that death is not final, that life after death is possible, that life with Jesus is eternal. And one day we will be with the people we 
we love. First Thessalonians, I think it's chapter four, says we, we take comfort, we take hope, and we encourage one another with those thoughts. It's the only thing that gets us through death. I'm going to go back a couple weeks, Pastor Christian, to the first part of, or the first message of your series. And where you reiterated to us that the intent of this series is to help people develop a plan for the seasons of death and suffering that we'll all experience. Your intent was to preload us with a Christian Christian theology that will help us navigate these difficult seasons. Interestingly, um, Pastor Christian, you, you probably know this, the top two fears that people have in life are death and public speaking, which, interestingly, you get to do uh, both of those, right? You get to walk people through seasons of death, and you speak publicly. And it's generally not necessarily in that order, right? Some people would rather... Yeah. Yeah. Top two fears are death and public speaking, but public speaking is, is number Could one, which number means one. if you're at a yeah. funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than on the stage. <laughs> so right. yeah, I'll, I'll choose to get I over my fear of public it. speaking so that, uh, yeah, so that I don't have to be in the casket. Right. Right. So let's talk about that for just a moment. What is it about death that causes uh, such tremendous fear in all of us? That, Cause here's the reality. Reality is that inevitably we will all we will all face death. So what, what is it that is so fearful about this? I, I, don't, I don't know if it's just a fear. It's unnatural. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God's planted eternity in our hearts. When God first created Adam and Eve, man and woman in the Garden of Eden, it says he created them in his image and in his likeness. And part of that was he, he planted this eternal DNA in them. He planted immortality in them. He planted perfection in them. He, um, he, he planted life. He breathed life into them. Death was an unnatural, unplanned consequence to sin. Uh, man, ch- man chose it, but they didn't want it. Uh, they, they, they were deceived by Satan who says, you can, you can choose to live life the way you want to, and you're not going to die. And the reality was they did. Uh, but we, we fight death, I think, not, not just because of fear, but it's unnatural. I think one of the greatest arguments of apologetics is death. No one wants to die. Why? Why do we think we should live forever? Why are we so fascinated with the afterlife? Why are we so fascinated uh, um, with superheroes that, you know, that are immortal? Why, why is there something that longs in us, Ecclesiastes 3.11, eternity that is planted in our hearts? It's because that's a little bit of that imago Dei, that image of God that's been planted in our soul, that's been planted in our heart. And I think death for us, even when it's not fearful, it's unnatural. Um, it's, it's an unnatural consequence of the life God created us for. And it unfortunately is still an unnatural consequence of the life that God recreated in us. Um, we know that our spirit doesn't die to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but our bodies decay. Um, they get older, they break down. And I think what we, f- we feel the curse of sin and we think correctly, it shouldn't be this way. I don't think God created it this way. I don't think God wants it to be this way. But that's why we have to lean into the recreation. It's why we have to lean into salvation. It's why we have to lean into repentance. It's why we have to lean into the hope of the resurrection, because this life is ending. I don't know, I don't know anyone who wants to die. I know people who face death well. I know people who face death with peace. I know people who face death with hope. I want to be one of those people. I think most people, most people I know my age that don't want to die, don't want to die because of their their fear of what it will do to others. Most Christians my age would rather be in heaven. 
But who's going to take care of our kids and who's going to take care of our wives and who's going to take care of the dog? You know, it's like they're like it's those types of fears. I don't think I'm ready yet. I don't think my savings account's big enough. We haven't paid off all the debt. Um, you know, it's it we we don't feel ready to leave others behind without us. But most Christians I know, man, we're ready for heaven. Uh, we just have to figure out how to live a, a life being called on earth before them. But I, I don't know that it's a fear as much as it's a. It's an feel right. un, yeah, it's un, it's spiritually unnatural because we are created in the image of God. We have eternity planted in our hearts, and we know death was not a part of God's original creation, and it's not a part of His eternal um, destination and recreation for us. Pastor Christian, the prophet Hosea asked this question: "Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting?" And this statement would later be repeated by Paul to the church at Corinth. Um, the season of death, it, it is painful. It is painful for people who have lost a loved one. It's painful for people who are going through um, this season where death is inevitable. So so what is the sting and what is the, the victory of death that Hosea and Paul talking about? Well, yeah, so the, the victory of death is, is, is final conclusion. You know, both Hosea and Paul are, are basically saying this is almost a taunt to Satan. Um, you know, I, I see this best through the cross. So let me give it through the cross and then let, let's give it through humanity. Um, Satan's end game from Genesis chapter 315, when Adam and Eve fell into sin and God said, I'm going to redeem this entire situation. There's going to come one who's born of a woman speaking of his son and you're, you're going to, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Uh, Satan knew then when, when, when God's son comes born of a woman, I'm going to kill him because if I can kill him, that will take away everything. If I can kill him, death becomes permanent for all people, for all of time, for all of eternity. Um, and Hosea seeing a, seeing a future Messiah that would raise from the dead and defeat death. And then Paul looking past at a real person who was a Messiah, um, who actually rose from the dead said it didn't work. Death, death was not victory over God and his plans and his purposes, which takes the sting of death, which takes the poison of death away, right? Hosea, Paul, both raised in that desert climate. We, we probably think of scorpions and the sting, the poison. It basically is, is saying death does not have to be an eternal infection anymore. Death is not an eternal poison. Death is not an eternal destination because of Jesus, the, the poison of death, the infection of death, the natural state of death that's coming can be can be removed because of Jesus and eternal life and the victory of death that you are dead forever uh, away from the presence of God can be defeated so that's what Hosea and Paul are talking about there and does death sting yes um, does death hurt? Yes. Is death final? Not for the Christian, Brandon. And that's why this series is so important. Not not just for people to learn how to deal with death, but so people could learn how to prepare for death and to prepare others for death. We said on last week's podcast, as Ryan and I were talking, you have to have community before suffering if you want to have community in suffering. You have to have Jesus before death if you want to have hope in death. So that's one, that's one of the key parts of this series, not just learning how to get through it, learning how to get ready for it. Well, Pastor Christian, there may be, sadly, someone listening right now that years later um, is still struggling with the death of a loved one. Perhaps it was a spouse, perhaps it was a child, maybe even a parent. 
What are some healthy and practical things these individuals can do to begin to find to begin to find healing from their loss? So I think one of the first things you have to do is you have to find a community who's gone through what you've gone through. We learned two weeks ago in our last message on suffering that we are comforted with the comfort that others received in the same sufferings that we have gone through. So we have a ministry at our church called Grief Share. If you're listening and you live in a different city, I promise you, Grief Share is a national program. If you just Google Grief Share groups in my area, you can probably find one. You need to go find a Grief Share group, and you need to begin sharing your grief with others. Grief is too heavy to carry on your own. And you end up in one of those states of very natural but unhealthy um, reactions to suffering and grief that we talked about, isolation, implosion, condemnation, anger, temptation. You, you have to deal with the hurt that's inside of you. So I would say that's the very, very first thing. Um, secondly, if you don't yet know Jesus, if, if you've not yet developed a prayer life, if you've not yet begun to study the scriptures, begin to study what the Bible has to say about salvation, about forgiveness, about eternal life, about having hope. And the reality is there are going to be people listening to this podcast who know someone who died who did not know Jesus. And part of dealing with that grief is learning enough about Jesus to to trust him deeply and to be able to say, you know, no one no one can ever know for sure who's in heaven and who's not but Jesus. And he is someone that when we walk up and look him in the eye in heaven, um, even if he gives us the answer we don't want to hear, we believe it will be okay because our heart has been made ultimately to be with God and to be one with Jesus, not to be with relatives who have gone before us. That would be the icing on the cake. But you can be totally fulfilled in Christ, and you will one day be totally fulfilled with a relationship with Jesus. So even if you have a loved one and you're like, man, I don't even, I don't even know that they're in heaven. How, how do I have that hope? What you need to have is the hope of Jesus, because the hope of Jesus in your life is better than the hope of, hey, maybe someone I know um, is with Jesus, because whatever ministry you need when you find yourself in the arms of Jesus, in the embrace of Jesus, is going to be enough. Um, and then I would say, you know, for those of you who, who know people who have gone before you and you really believe they're in heaven, Randy Alcorn has written a tremendous book just titled Heaven that is everything that the Bible says about heaven. If you if you have a relative who's in heaven and you've been struggling to process what are they doing, where are they, what does it look like, go read that book, Randy Alcorn, the book called Heaven, uh, because, man, it, it will give you a glimpse into their world that probably by the time you get done with the end of the book, you'll think, I'm glad they're there, and I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to be with them. Well, as we wrap up um, this this podcast, let me ask one, just one more question, Pastor Christian. Paul writes in First Thessalonians, um, he says this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. You've alluded to this already in the podcast. Paul is saying that our grief as Christians should be radically different than those who are far from God. So, Pastor Christian, can you explain what grieving with hope looks like after the loss of a loved one? Yeah, I can. And and to me, it's the picture of a young mother who just last month got up at at her baby's funeral um, and did his eulogy. Uh, I've mentioned several times, the little boy's name was Rain. His mom's name is Marina. Um, 
he died right on the cusp of this series, so it's it's very fresh. But she got up and, and she did the eulogy because he died eight months from conception, a month before he would have been carried full term. Uh, and she was the only one who knew him. She was the only one who ever experienced his life because he was attached to her for eight months. And she got up and and as a mother got up and talked about the life of her son, the eternal life of her son, the comfort of her God, the unfairness of life, the bitterness, the angerness, anger, yet the peace and the hope. And she quoted the truth of Scripture as things that were anchors for her soul. Um, Hope in the midst of grief comes from things we choose to believe even when we don't feel them. I talked about this in last week's message. We choose to worship even when we don't feel like it. We choose to believe even when it seems unbelievable. We anchor our faith on the promises of God. And that's what it looks like. You, you just, you just put your hope in that. You say, you know, there were four guys, five guys really, um, 2000 years ago who saw and believed a guy named Jesus died, was buried, and came back alive. And he said everyone who followed him could do the exact same thing. So I'm going to put my faith in him. And there are a generation of people 2,000 years later who are still putting their faith in that guy. And that is their hope, that people die, that even though they're buried, they, they come back to life, they have eternal life, and one day you will see them again. Those are not things you can feel, but those are things you can choose to believe. And if you choose to believe and anchor your soul, what you will feel is hope. Um, And that's what it looks like to grieve with hope, to anchor your soul to the promises of Scripture, not to the feelings of life. Pastor Christian, thank you um, for for sharing with us today. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but we are on pace to have our greatest digital impact in 2019 with this Grim Reaper series. People are sharing your message and, and, and subsequent podcasts with other, others, and it's, it's really making a difference. So thank you for your leadership through this series. And on behalf of Pastor Christian and myself, we are so grateful that you've listened to this episode. We pray that it's, it's been a tremendous encouragement to you, particularly if you're, if you're going through a season of loss. And if you have any questions or just need to process or share some of your thoughts with somebody, please don't hesitate to reach out to us by sending an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. We, we'd be honored to help you in any way we can through this season of your life. And we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website, at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.